0: This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, Episode 7. We're just trying to help. We're trying to help coaches win more games and help them, you know, improve their athlete outcomes through, you know, connecting research to, you know, professional practice. You know, all I say, coaches look for the magic sauce. It might be coach education. This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, where we talk to strength and conditioning coaches about what you really need to know, but probably didn't learn in school. There's strength and conditioning, and then there's everything else.
1: Welcome to the NSCA's coaching podcast. I'm your host, NSCA head Strength and conditioning coach Scott Caulfield. On the show today with me, Clayton Cooklick, clinical assistant professor in the Master of Arts and Sport Coaching Program at the University of Denver. Clayton, thanks for being on today.
0: Thanks, Scott. Appreciate it. I'm looking forward to uh, the next 25 minutes, half right. hour or so.
1: Yeah, and again, we are literally right next to the weight room here at the University of Denver. Took the show on the road today, so if there's any crashes or banging behind you uh, i'll be sure to try and spot you out of the way If a barbell comes over the wall here uh, like I said, just starting out with some fun questions but we kind of like to start the show a little bit differently talk to us about if you were tasked with starting a new strength conditioning program you got a limited budget you had to get by on just the bare minimums what would what would be the three basic things that you could get started with
0: Okay, well, um, since I did my master's thesis on the battling ropes, I'm going to bring some battling ropes with us and a shout-out to uh, Dr. Um, Mike Martino from Georgia College and State University. Uh, Some kettlebells and then also some bumper plates as well Uh, would definitely be my three – key picks okay, key items cool I like it we'll, we'll have to come back to that thesis in a little bit but yeah. I want to hit
1: some of these other fun ones first um, I like this one especially and you as a coach educator I'm sure are going to have a great one for this but if you had a magic wand and you could eliminate any coaching practice out there what would it be what would you <laughs> banish from the state of coaching
0: well considering that I'm on this uh, motor learning kick and in strength and conditioning I'm going to ban uh Uh, blocked practice designs. Um, Just um, my own personal research and and kind of looking at motor learning research more in depth, um, I can see, although I've done it many times, blocked practice approaches, um, we're seeing that more randomized and variable approaches are much more effective on, on athlete learning despite me myself personally when i was coaching using blocked practice approaches um quite often
1: yeah and i think a lot of sports do that still right i mean it's pretty much a kind of a i mean it's a fun it's a foundational tool in the process but for some people listening give us maybe a, a practical application of practice versus random
0: yeah I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you an example one of the big things for me and one of the, the big research articles for me coming from a baseball background that really uh, made shifted my perspective is the traditional batting practice that we I've done many many times and I actually started implementing this uh, a randomized approach um, in in um, in batting practice with some of my athletes at the college level but you know for example the traditional blocked practice approach is you know throw, throw five balls on the outside and we hit the ball away then five in the middle we hit the ball to the middle five in and we pull the ball um, and there was actually a research study that looked at blocked practice versus a randomized practice where the uh, batting practice was designed where athletes were getting breaking balls, change-ups in various locations which is more replicable to the competitive environment and what they see um, on the playing field. So, uh, Needless to say, when the the results came in after an eight-week training protocol that the actual athletes that had a randomized batting practice design had better performances in the game Um, and likewise during practice their performance was about the same although slightly lesser but the big thing for me was that there was a transfer effect into the game where that randomized design where where, uh, the uh, baseball players were getting different pitches in different cycles so that was the big one that kind of switched me yeah, up
1: so cool i figure just that. like in a real game would be.
0: yeah yeah I was like why did we? Th- why did I think of that like uh, 25 years ago for God's sakes
1: uh, that's great uh, good stuff uh, yeah alright then how about if you could uh, have dinner or uh, have drinks with uh, any three people living, dead or fictional character who would you want to sit down
0: with I'm going with Robin Hood all the way I am a, a bow hunter I enjoy doing that and uh, I like shooting my bow, and this this guy was the greatest ever, Robin Hood. So uh, yeah, I need to pick learned. up some motor learning techniques on how to split arrows in half, you know, at, at 100 yards, Robin Hood all the way. Yeah,
1: he's got some better tips than just block practice.
0: That's learn. exactly right. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you've had a lot of different experience, you've worked strength conditioning, uh, you've been a baseball, you've been a sport coach, you've been in the coaching ed program West Virginia, now you're here helping Dr. G with the sport coaching program. Um, what kind of um, differences have you seen across your career throughout um, coaching That you know that maybe there's some real similarities and maybe there's some big differences?
0: uh- well, I, I guess across time I, I've worked for uh, you know what we would consider master coaches and I've worked with some we, we consultant, perhaps not master coaches at various levels of, uh, of experience. and um, the big thing that sticks out for me is working with those coaches and, and collaborating with them and actually at some, Cases being a mentor to them is seeing how the these master coaches that I have great respect for the diversity of their knowledge is absolutely um, amazing, um, and how they were able to acquire that, um, and seeing you know their. Their their practices, seeing their athletes through multiple lenses is probably the the, the best you know the the greatest attribute from those master coaches. Um, and what I mean by multiple lenses, like from a sports psychology lens, a technical skill lens, biomechanics, exercise science, a social uh, environment lens, a team cohesion lens, where they you know they're just watching their team interact and they're 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 processing all of those things uh, about what's happening during you know any given situation um, and that's really the big thing for me is seeing that diversity of, of coaches and the diversity of knowledge in the in their implementation of, of that knowledge that's cool and now you know, we were talking earlier um
1: about the lacrosse coach here, Bill Tierney, who's, uh, you know, kind of legendary in the lacrosse world. And uh, Coach Van Dyke was talking about how basically alluding to that, how he's able to see that. So how does how does a coach develop, aside from coaching for 30 years, like how you develop these different areas um, when you're kind of up and coming, with all the other things that you have to do.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I, I think there's like a couple different things. Number one, I think coaching education provides that. Um, uh, I don't want to say magic sauce, but a, a way of gaining some different perspectives in areas that you probably wouldn't. I mean, our coaching education program, we have all of those areas that I that I mentioned, so that you're able to view things through multiple lenses, and then also getting good mentors and and, and associating your and uh, connecting uh, with with coaches that that possess different forms of knowledge in a diverse range uh, of areas um, i think is is really important and then you know um, practicing yourself when we talk about re- um, reflection um, and that's why i mean implementing strategies and, and and engaging in the self-reflective practice is uh, being that other key um, area in which we can develop these multiple lenses uh, in which to vo- view our our own coaching practices
1: I'm glad you mentioned uh, mentors. I know that there's been a decent body of research on mentorship and its importance. How about uh, who are some of the people that have mentored you and what? Um, where did you you know where did you end up coming across them and them becoming mentors
0: yeah i've I've actually did a a, a couple uh, research studies with mentorship or in, in, in and and engaged in the research and mentoring um, some of the key ones for me uh, I think there's two levels of that me as a mentoring as I was an athlete and then mentoring once I was a novice coach and working my way towards you know perhaps a master's coach which I doubt I don't think i have been in the in the coaching business enough yet to uh have reached that level but i think there's two there's two streams there um as an athlete uh certainly joe calva pietro which was my uh, professional uh, minor league baseball coach um and ed ott as well um, two unbelievably well uh well established coaches that just a diverse range of knowledge what i was talking about um and really, kind of uh, made me think about coaching and and the next stage for me after my uh, playing uh, experiences. Um, And then uh, one of my first coaching experiences with with, uh, Mark Scaff at the University of North Carolina, Wilmington, Again, very diverse range of knowledge that uh, was able to view coaching, uh, you know, the athletes' experiences through multiple lenses. It was quite impressive. And then the other one, Tom Carty, uh, was a great mentor to me and probably one of the best um collaborators as a head coach i worked for him as a a graduate assistant uh a coach and i'll tell you what we had some of the greatest coaching conversation collaborations uh after practice which seemingly went to one o'clock in the morning after getting done practice um you know at eight o'clock at night um and just just brainstorming collaborating ideas uh, uh was was just a great meaningful learning experience for me working with him. He was he was a great collaborator.
1: That's cool. Some great traits to be uh to have in kind of uh in, inspired on you or you know. What about is there any one piece of coaching advice that some one of those guys instilled in you or something that you, you know, kind of recall as a key thing that you'd never forget. Holy
0: moly. One that stands out. Again, I think for each of them, I, mean, and I can pick out these little key things that they all used to say. Um... But again they came from all different perspectives so i'm not sure if it was like you know the the magic sauce um for coaching the magic sauce like hey we need to do this um but i can pick apart all of these small little pieces from each of them that were influential but um you know we could talk about like the the coaches that we talk about well you it's this is the tell-all do this and it's the drink the kool-aid type thing and I don't I just I don't know if that's the case because there's just so many little ingredients that all matter and trying to view all those things and negotiate all those things in a coaching experience um, so I don't have a, right. a a one thing in particular well that's why it's nice to see
1: <clears throat> coaching education programs that are coming up now and covering all those different areas like you were talking about and you know trying to teach coaches about these different lenses that are key areas of, of growth um let's go back kind of to the educational side is there any um Maybe there's multiple, but like a must-read or uh, for strength up-and-coming strength and conditioning coaches, yeah. or the must-have kind of check this off.
0: Yeah. Um it's Strength Training and Coordination, uh, an Integrative Approach by Franz Bosch. I think it's uh, probably one year, two years old, 2015. Are you familiar with yep, it? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, I I just recently got into it probably uh, four or five months ago. I, I was teaching a motor learning class, and we had some strength and conditioning coaches that were um, – trying to uh, we're having a little bit of difficulty understanding the motor learning application to a strength and conditioning exercise science kind of dominated field not that there's anything wrong with that it's just you know it's a different lens a different lens in which we're viewing strength and conditioning uh, when we're talking about motor learning and how people learn and perform skills um and he's that book really and i started looking for you know where's the motor learning and there's not a lot and he he's one of the but, you know, I would say pioneers for the um, uh, strength and conditioning and that motor learning connection, specificity of practice, transfer designs, um, uh, which was interesting to me because I've been on this motor learning kick and, the, you know, getting away from that block practice design and, you know, what's really the most effective way um, that we all kind of done at this Whole, right. whole time and then i'm like holy crap you know this is what the research is saying about a different way of doing it and i'm like oh let me try it and i'm like wow that is working a little bit and it's like man you know i should have been doing this a long time ago yeah, yeah. quick you know <laughs> um so but yeah uh, definitely a very good read uh with strength and conditioning and the motor learning application
1: cool. so yeah we'll have to <clears throat> make sure that uh we we'll put a Put that in the uh, notes so people can look that up afterwards but um about you know we're talking about um up and coming coaches kind of reaching out learning new stuff um how do you kind of grow or you know network as a young coach how do you build your network when you're first up and coming
0: yeah well i think there's a couple different ways um and in the research um you know we talk about informal and formal you know mentoring and and networks of practice and i constantly reflect on my previous experiences of where i kind of fit in there and it's it's not one, one person or one thing, it's it's a multitude of people, like you said, a network. And I can have like this informal network, which, you know, I'm I'm constantly still calling coaches sometimes and sometimes they're calling me and it's, uh, you know, the, the bounce coaching ideas and problems and we problem solve uh, together in collaboration. Um, And it's tough sometimes because sometimes, you know, you're a novice coach and it's like, well, does this coach even want to be bothered by, you know, me making a phone call to him once a week or me asking him questions after we get done (coughs) doing... Uh, you know, we get done our training sessions. I mean, coaching's busy. We're we're busy, and and so you know, time is is critical there. So some of the strategies that I would suggest is, you know, making setting setting some time aside to make a phone call with very short uh, a couple questions uh, based on some of the problems that you may be experiencing at a, at a particular time. Um, and minimum and um minimizing the time you're spending right we know coaching is busy so we don't want to spend two hours on on um, uh, having a conversation and work on developing a relationship one thing we know about mentoring and and uh, uh, collaboration with coaches is that you know trust is a huge thing in developing a relationship so it shouldn't always be just like you know hey coach I'm having this problem you're an expert in this area tell me what to do Yeah, you, know, you, know, you need to work on you know we, we gotta work and in, in ease your way in there and developing the relationship without taking a lot of time so I think that's something also to be cognizant of um, developing relationship keeping your time to a minimum and then having some meaningful questions that the, the, that you can collaborate on and get to the point in a short period of time
1: yeah, and I think yeah. one of the things that I mean, I've, I've seen it somewhere too and, and noticed it in real life mentorship is it's it's also a two-way street it's not just that I always take from you as my mentor Yeah. there's a, you know there's eventually becomes maybe it starts like that but eventually true mentorship is you're you also are getting something out of the mentee um, not just always giving
0: yeah yeah so even for the, like the expert coaches or the mentee or mentors what we say is right they actually have Bye. Uh-huh. To some degree, equal or greater learning experiences than they're providing with the antiques because it's like how you know developing relationships. But so that's a really, really good point. Uh, just one other thing to add is you could make it a formal thing, and you actually ask someone to, hey, will you be my mentor? Um, and that sometimes can be approached, and then you just put it out front right away. It's like, no, I don't have time for this right now, and that's fine. Instead of you waste, you know, we're not wasting time. Sometimes it's okay to just ask, hey, you know, hey, do you mind? me asking you like once a week or whatever we we meet for 15 minutes and we can collaborate and you can give me some feedback or something yeah, that's great. Um, um, we mentioned I mentioned the book
1: uh, that you must read uh, I want to talk about another book it's not really a book NASPY coaching standards right. um, it's kind of a book It's all these standards and not many coaches know about them yeah. <laughs> so um, can you talk a little bit about what they are and why it's important how do i guess maybe also how do we get more awareness about these
0: (sighs) yeah that's a really good question um the NASPI standards, I think, were developed in 2008, I believe, is and they're c- currently uh, being revised. Um, there is a whole mess load of them. There's a bunch, um, and I can't remember exactly how many off the top of my head, but there is a bunch, and they're looking to be reduced. But the point of the standards really is uh, something that you've already heard me really kind of talk about is g- gaining multiple perspectives and, and having knowledge. In, um, you know different areas and considering your coaching from multiple perspectives as a way to um, you know further develop yourself I think there are some things missing I think there's some things that are overdone um, in the NASB standards but again I think the purpose is there Um, like I said they're they're in the process of revising them Um, the International Coalition for Coaching Excellence is also um, in the process of putting together a United States uh, version very similar to that which will address uh, coaching effectiveness and the the professional interpersonal and intrapersonal knowledge uh, necessary to be what we call an effective coach and we know that that's constantly going to be changing Uh, but again it's a it's a standard it's a it's a foundation yeah. you know, i think so. like you said just and
1: just getting awareness to some of to people about some of these standards are a lot of them are common sense but uh, a lot of it would be this too when when we talk about coaching you know we especially us who have dedicated our life to becoming better coaches and go through master's programs and certifications. And sometimes you see people that just might have played a sport can become a coach. Um, you, know, you you want them to have to be able to learn this stuff too. Right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, there should be some, you know, so a standard there for where we're going. And it's not always necessarily uh, – Enforced, I guess. Yeah, I don't know if that's the right word, um, or insured maybe. Yeah. Insured might yeah. be a better word. Um, but yeah, certainly something that we need to continue to hope that we can do. And we have that some of those things embedded in our program to ensure that we're meeting those standards. And then also coaches are demonstrating it somehow that it's actually being performed. It's not just lip service, um, you know. So for example, I know you're into the, the philosophy stuff, you know, if this is, this is my value system, then how do you really demonstrate it? You know, what are the behaviors that match that language, whether it being on a piece of paper or the words that are coming out of your mouth? What are the behaviors that, that go with that? Yeah. Yeah. So, And how do I recognize
1: that? If my coaching practice is not in line with what I say that I value, yeah. how am I able to notice that as a coach? Yeah,
0: yeah it's... Can be challenging, yeah. but I th- but I think it's something to consider. And and there's certainly strategies that we can we can put the kind of bring that to the surface or consciousness right. to bring that to consciousness. Yeah, oh, that's great stuff. Um, How about is
1: there is there any specific roadblocks that you'd recommend strength conditioning coaches kind of be cognizant of, anything that they need to watch out for as they're growing in their profession? Okay.
0: I, I I would say probably being c- critical consumers of the practice, I, I mean, it, it, from a positive and negative standpoint, um, and then, you know, making sure you're, you're selecting mentors that are uh, and, and connecting with people that, uh, you know, have similar values to what you have. Um, Similar, I should say, uh, because we don't want to be constricted into a, you know, a homogeneous knowledge foundation. But um, I would say, yeah, being a critical consumer of both what other coaches are doing and um, and other coaches in general with how and how and why you develop relationships with them. What I mean by critical consumers is just being an analyst and and critiquing and dissecting what you're doing or what other coaches are doing and making informed decisions on whether those fit, they don't fit, you know, why it works, why it wouldn't work, why it makes sense, why it doesn't make sense, and being and dissecting it and analyzing critique. So Well, it's a great I like that a lot. It's a great great tip. Great piece advice to watch out
1: for too. Um I wanna talk too a little bit about kind of career paths and you know, different career paths, different changing. Um how hard is it to go from coaching into, you know, teaching or educating?
0: Um, you know, I want to say, like, oh, that's really hard. There's such a lot. Uh, there's so many difference. And it's really not for me. I, I my background is in teaching. My, I have a bachelor's degree in elementary education. My master's is in kinesiology, PhD in coaching education, uh, pedagogy. Um, so I'm like a teacher at heart. I was a teacher and then got into coaching. And now I'm kind of back into coaching. And, and and if you look at my teaching philosophy, in comparison to my coaching philosophy and I've written them both down mm-hmm. and I've done all the exor- you know the exercise and developed strategies to match my behaviors with what I have they're exactly the same and it's very simple for me, have an enthusiastic approach to teaching or coaching Mm -hmm. because they're the same. Um, You know, I I promise that I am guaranteed I'm gonna use lots of different pedagogical strategies to enhance learning and I'm gonna develop positive relationships with students or athletes. Guaranteed it's going to happen. That's part of my philosophy and that's, that's what I'm about. So when I put them in both contexts, you'll see the same exact behaviors from me just in different ways. So I want to say it's hard because I do miss the relationships with athletes, but I'm in a very good situation now where I'm developing relationships with coaches and, you know, they're, a lot of them are ex-athletes, and right. good coaches are, you know, have good interpersonal skills. It, it's good, and especially when you can share your experiences together and collaborate in in, in meaningful ways. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's really a positive experience on both ends, coaching and teaching, for me. Yeah. So, yeah, very synonymous.
1: When I think of coaching, it's just teaching and that's the cool part about my job too is you know we still train athletes at NSCA but much more of my job is related to training coaches than it is athletes now.
0: Um, It's just a little bit different. Yeah. 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 Implement strategies to help people develop. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah
1: athletics versus coaching yeah so is there a specific or example path that that someone who wanted to go uh the route of becoming a coach educator would take Uh, or is there? oh a coach educator like let's say
0: i want to become oh Clayton someday yeah what do i do holy moly (laughs) you know that's a good that's a good uh that's an interesting question. There, there's a new book coming out. Me and Dr. G actually have a have a chapter coming out, um, and it's on four coaches and coach developmental pathways. Is basically we give lots of different strategies on how to develop from a you know novice coach all the way to a master coach with lots of different re- learning resources. But I can't think of, and they're just starting to come out with this de- coach developer framework. It really hasn't been. Researched or look at enough, and we could. I mean, Doctor G and I could probably do an a, a ethnography on on how to do that. And I don't. I don't really have the right answer. I. I would. I would say that I think it is really, 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 really important to have um, both sides of the spectrum as a coach practitioner, and as with with the higher level understanding of theory and practice, um, and being being able to link those two is critical Um, and pretty much a a lot of the research papers that you'll see is, you know, the coach, the researchers will be like, we need to bridge the gap. We've been saying all these things. It's not, well, like, okay, in all honesty, it's tough tough to process a lot of this stuff without some theoretical training and understanding those things and and so – that's where we come in and be able to bridge that gap from research, research, the theory, into professional practice. And I think you need to have knowledge in both ends, what the what coaches really go through. Yeah. Okay, and this is what the research is saying, but yeah, this was in a white box, and this doesn't really happen out here. Yeah, yeah but we can take some of this knowledge, and this is how it would fit into that piece, I think is the – is the key piece is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is having both both a practical experience and then having that upper level researcher is research <laughs> scary, theory. As nasty as that research theory stuff yeah scary. it really is but yeah. i you know coaches work hard right and for the most part we, we have good intentions so like you can do it right yeah. i mean
1: so what would be some of the unique challenges of being in the coaching education world or are they? Is it just a piece of cake?
0: No, it's not a piece <laughs> of cake. I mean, we're we're um, you know we're busy trying to develop innovative ways to engage coaches and um, you know we're just trying to help. We're trying to help coaches win more games and help them you know improve their athlete outcomes through you know connecting research to. You know professional practice you know all i say coaches look for the magic sauce it might be coach education right i mean we're going to provide you with multiple lenses to view practice and yeah you're going to you're going to be pretty good you know when you get done and what's that mean that means 25 30 50 100 athletes are all going to be better as a result um you know, so developing innovative ways to engage uh, coaches, uh, is, and we're trying to do that through different means, and we're doing that in our online program. Um, other barriers. Um, I mean, I, I think sometimes, like us all, we get stuck in the, in our previous experiences sometimes, and we're socialized to do certain things and. Sometimes it's a little bit difficult to, to see different perspectives and that's a challenge or the way that I perceive it, but that's everybody's yeah. issue, right? So, I mean, I, I don't know if it's a barrier. It's just we implement strategies and we work through those things. I mean, if someone told me that there's a new way of doing something and I've been doing it this way, you know, it's like, okay, well, let me look at it. Let me look, right? And then it's just uh, we just implement strategies to help overcome that. So, um Right. it's what we just try to do yeah. i think yeah
1: i think most i think most of the most of us who want to get better and are like consistently looking to improve are are more willing to look into those different lenses or yeah. be open to a new idea if it comes along for mm-hmm. sure yeah like that um are there any common uh myths or misconceptions about being a Professor slash educator.
0: Yeah, I think I think I briefly touched on it before. Is you know, there's a perception that you know, coaching education is there. You know, is there to for the abusive coaches and you know, because I just like yeah, there's four million coaches in the whatever. You know, it's like, yeah, we see one or two that are on TV, and, you know, it's like, oh, we need more coach education. I was like, well, I mean, coaches have a good intent in general. I mean, we do see some, you know, that are we're trying to help coaches win more games and 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 be productive and and be more productive and win and and help improve athlete outcomes in positive ways um even though you may already be doing that right you know you may be already doing it but it's like you know what's the motel we got to get we're better 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 well yeah there are some better ways out there we're just there to present them to you this is what research shows okay yeah everybody's been doing this secret sauce for a while well look this is what some of the research is showing we can help you connect that to really practical application it's like yeah this can make a this can give you that extra edge you know when you put those building blocks together it can be significant you know Um, when we add up those multiple lenses that we're just trying to present and provide and engage engage coaches and make them better
1: yep um, how about what's some of the best things
0: about being in your position? What's the best thing about your job? Oh, working with coaches every day, uh, collaboration, and I'll tell you what, I've learned more uh, over the last, uh, I'm going to say five months. Uh, About skiing, downhill skiing, and rowing, that uh, being challenged every day to to make a connection with something that I may not be, you know, a, a sport that is very specific. So, for example, I have to understand rowing and and how can i connect motor learning and collaborating with coaches on how that really fits to make it better is is really really fun and we're, we're able to accomplish lots of great things i mean it's a dual learning thing it's like you know hey here's some motor learning stuff let's see how we can make it work together um in in rowing that i didn't know a lot about in downhill skiing and now i'm I'm watching videos on downhill skiing I'm getting and it's like look at this this is motor learning 101 and I'm, I've never watched a ski video in my life and now I'm sudden presenting it this to, to you know uh, Jess she's the coach at uh, Boulder the the downhill team and I'm, I'm like look at this motor learning this is this motor learning this is motor learning the whole way I've never watched the video on the uh, uh, skiing in my life but that's really the fun is that collaboration Um and and seeing coaches get better at what they do uh, and and really seeing the athletes also perform better and then the coaches winning more and they're more satisfied with what they're what they're accomplishing and, and problem solving and you know all of those little intricate things that coaches have to deal with on a daily basis, whether it's team building or problem athletes or whatever.
1: No, well, we had Matt Shaw on the, on the podcast in a previous episode, and he, you know, talked about the collaboration in, between all the different departments, uh, between the labs and all the stuff yeah. that the University of Denver is doing. It's really impressive to see, uh, you know, what you guys have going on just all across so many different departments here that's awesome yeah what would you say kind of last question um, give you a chance to Pump up your program a little. What's yeah. unique about the sport coaching program at Denver?
0: Well, I mean, I, I worked at uh, I've worked at uh, previous institutions in the co- coaching education program, and I think one of the main differences is is our innovation in online environment, personal uh, development of relationships, personal feedback, um, and and our ability to communicate through multiple methods of communication Um, I I think of the key things. so one you know our innovative pedagogical strategies coaches uh, practical application uh, assignments and things that they're doing whether you know they're posting different videos of themselves coaching where problems problematizing we're seeing how the how concepts are implemented as they're trying new new coaching strategies, I, I think is the first, you know, big thing that sets us apart. Uh, number two, as I mentioned, is, you know, the, the constant feedback from our, the instructors, I mean, Dr. G and I, and we have one or two adjunct prof, prof, uh, professors that are outstanding and follow this, you know, our same value system of providing, you know, feedback and constant attention, and then that third one is developing relationships with uh and that 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 community of coaches Uh, not only from you know me uh, myself as an instructor with the with the coaching students but also um you know the, the 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 coaches the coaching students in the, in the courses, you know, we're developing a, a great relationship of collaboration and thought and, and innovation and ideas uh, that we facilitate within each of our courses as well. So.
1: Yeah. Well, I have to agree. It's a cool program. I am a big fan of it. <laughs> Be happy to graduate uh, soon,
0: but uh, it's definitely been a huge uh, yeah, benefit would, to me as a professional. I was hiding that Scott that you were actually uh, <laughs> in some of these classes as I was, uh, you know, dropping some motor learning stuff. Um,
1: cool. Well, I really appreciate you being on the show today. Um, people uh, want to reach out to you, follow up because they listened. To this and heard something and need to follow up, how can you be reached? What's the best way to get in contact
0: with you? I I said, uh, you know, we have multiple forms of communication, so Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, email. Um, Email uh, Clayton C-L-A-Y-T-O-N dot K-U-K-L-I-C-K at D-U dot E-D-U. And then also, you know, cell phones also go, I don't know if I should give that out or not, but uh, 215-593 eight four one five um so reach out anytime you uh, have any questions thoughts or interest in our program as well Great. So, thanks for being on man appreciate it thanks scott this was the nsca's coaching podcast the national strength and conditioning association was founded in 1978 by strength and conditioning coaches to share information resources and help advance the profession Serving coaches for over 40 years, the NSCA is the trusted source for strength and conditioning professionals. Be sure to join us next time.